0: Welcome. This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. Tonight, hey, we're going to be talking about all kinds of things that deal with metaphysics, spiritual issues, science in general, uh, physics, of course. And then besides that, um, about us, about how people respond to living a life that is um, spiritually disciplined. Now, that sounds a little strange. Uh, but it is about our choices to do that, not anybody else doing it to us, because sometimes the word discipline is, is taken in a more negative context, and that's not how we're going to be talking about it tonight. This is something that a person can choose to do, and when they do, they're uh, trying to become more of a soul while they're here in the physical world, and... um live their life closer to God. That's kind of the whole idea. And so tonight's show is about what life is about and life is like for people doing that. Uh, I've done shows that talk about uh, the initiations and, uh, you know, what spiritual discipline is like during the initiations, and we're going to talk about this subject somewhat related to that, but it's going to be more focused on the life itself. And uh, it's going to be general, of course, because everybody's life is unique. We are individuals, and we create our life in that way. But we also do it with others. So we have an individual side and a group side. The group side is about doing things collectively so it's more effective. The individual side is to create us uniquely as a being, uniquely as a being, not to become a little robot, you know, that walks around or whatever. So we're um, we're going to be getting into an area where a lot of people have confusion. Uh, the, the assumptions are are, are basically um, c- uh, come from uh, monastic traditions, which is not what I'm going to be referring to, and uh, it also comes from uh, areas that are very negative, like cults which uh, I'll I'll discuss, but I won't be promoting that as a spiritual life. And uh, uh, it also comes from uh, misunderstandings that people have based upon uh, fear and prejudice uh, of their personal uh, thought processes. And that's going to be part of what we will be talking about from the standpoint of why it's so misunderstood. Uh, when we talk about life as a spiritual disciple. So let me begin by uh, describing the basic framework of what it means to be a spiritually disciplined person. Discipline is a kind of structured activity of limiting uh, the use of senses and the personality or subconscious part of us uh so that it functions more uh thinking about and uh interacting with others about and becoming and desiring or we'll say uh, wanting to become part of God altogether and uh not becoming part of God like to be some kind of uh super being or something like that, but to become part of God from a creative virtue standpoint. So people who are spiritual disciples want to be creative of virtue. They want to create more light in the form of the world that they exist in. They want it to be uh, that way, not for themselves per, per se. They want it for all others as those others choose it to be and are willing to create it for themselves. So there's no... Uh, idea here that you force people to do anything, Uh, being a spiritual disciple is not a forced circumstance. And doing that kind of discipline and interacting with other people is never forcing them to do anything. It's always an attempt to get other people to uh, find God in their hearts and uh, in their minds and through the senses that help them to do that, that correspond to the heart and the mind. So when we deal with this sort of thing, uh, it's way different than what the, we'll say, um, the normal uh, way people think of the subject. And so if we're going to lay out a structure, the structure is to do this limitation. Now, why do you have to limit something in order to have it become more spiritual. Since spirituality is supposed to be an expansion of consciousness and a growth towards our creator, why would there need to be limitations? Why don't we just, hey, let's go for it, man, big, tongue, just expand our minds. Uh, Well, some folks actually do do that. They usually don't end up with a success uh, story to talk about. Uh, Usually it's a failure. But the point is that... um, the The reason for it is that we don't have a means of magic outside of ourselves to create ourselves. In other words, we can't go to XYZ and have them do something or it do something for us. That will automatically turn us into this idea and this desire and this um, thought that we have of who we want to be. Our method of doing change within us is based upon, a really, a science. Science is that uh, in order to improve an individual sense that is separated from other senses, which most people have senses that are like that to some extent, or a lot, uh, you need to look at each sense and separate it even further in some respects to create more light in itself and help others to do the same. In order to achieve that, so you limit the sense from becoming, uh, uh, we'll say, interactive with a lot of other senses so that the focus of attention consciously by ourselves, not by our subconscious, is on the specific sense and we attempt then to make that sense work better, and that's the beginning of the process. Then you've got to take the personality, which is getting information from the sense, and take, lead that personality, which is the subconscious part of us, to become a bit more conscious and to join with our our what's called lower self to kind of... Uh, Pay attention to the amount and kind of information, looking for information that would lead to a creative process of more light. First, in the sense itself, and then in the whole system of senses that we have. And then, finally, for the purpose of service to others in an interactive forum, where we're helping those others to do something very similar in themselves, but they're doing it creatively for themselves. And when you get to this kind of system, since it's kind of like the bootstrap system of creating yourself from yourself, uh, limitation is not actually what we are doing. It is paying uh, ultra-attention rather than calling it limitation, but it is a limitation because you're not including as many other senses at the time that you're doing this, at least not in the beginning. And it's a, a, a massive amount of attention, which is consciousness, uh, is used. And as you do it, the benefit is an increase in consciousness, provided that the motive to do it is to improve and serve others. That's a big thing. And that's what spiritual discipline is about. Now, it doesn't mean that the uh, ultimate goal is to end up with these separated senses that have in some way been improved. No. The ultimate goal is to bring all the senses up to some balanced state as they become close in their uh, overall sensing abilities, not in what they do as a sense, but what they do in ability. Uh... And as those abilities become closer to light, which is like a speed of thought or spirit that's controlling the sense, then the result is the senses can join together. That's the ticket. That's how you do it. So it is a very structured method, uh, and that means it's very mental, in its approach. Now, people, or beings, I should say, who are beyond human, use other methods for spiritual uh, development than spiritual discipline. Because their methods uh, are not monastic. They're higher, they're in a different realm. And you might not even call it discipline anymore. You probably would call it more like beauty, uh, beautification, or something of that nature. So it gets into other means than what is commonly held to be the human method. So I'm talking today about human method. I will not talk today about other methods because I don't think most people out there are going to benefit from it. But it's it's an interesting point that uh, well even spiritual discipleship is really a human a human means. It's not subhuman, because it, it won't work there, and it doesn't work when you get to superhuman because uh, you have to work in, in a more multi-dimensional way than the mental world supply. The mental world is five dimensions by our standards of time space, and yet that's not enough if you really want to uh, get to the superhuman level of what um, we we'll call it spiritual discipline. And so we would call it something else. All right. So that's the kind of structure we're talking about. And how does that affect one's life is what the show is about today. So I'm just starting with the idea of what is spiritual discipline, because I usually define things at the beginning of the show. Some people's minds are sharpest, and they kind of say, Oh, I I think I got it, you know, because they're listening uh, maybe a little more intently now than they will in an hour or two. And so I do that. Uh, and so now we've got kind of an idea of what spiritual discipline is, that it allows human beings, and now there are different levels that human beings participate in spiritual discipline. And the uh, different levels uh, starts out with the lowest, we'll call it. The lowest level of uh, spiritual discipline uh, is before a person actually is a spiritual disciple. Now, the word spiritual discipline comes from disciples, so what does that mean? It's below that, you know. (laughs) Less than? Yeah, it means less than. So there are levels um, before people ever reach spiritual discipleship um, that uh, happens in various people's lifetimes. Uh, And when these levels uh, are approached, people become for usually uh, relatively short periods of time, uh, encouraged, um, desirous, that's a more astral, very astral thing, or uh, in some cases, uh, they think that it would be good for them and others to become more spiritual, and they approach this uh, area without actually doing much discipline. So you can say, well, what good is that? Well, it's it's kind of like putting your toe in the water, you know, when you when you don't want to really jump in, you say, well, I wonder what the water feels like anyway. So they want to know what spiritual feels like. Honestly, that's what it is. It's 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 as close as an an analogy as I could come to in trying to describe this. How often does it happen? Uh, For most people, it happens. dozens of times in a particular lifetime, and it lasts anywhere from hours to days, sometimes uh, months of time. And during that time, uh, they want to experience what it means to be spiritual, but their uh, investment in the discipline side is extremely low. So they're not willing to uh, focus in and improve their senses for the benefit of others. Now you can say, well, how does it work then? Well, they do something that's kind of contradictory. They try to become spiritually disciplined for the benefit of themselves or somebody that they're close to. (laughs) Or someone that makes a difference to them in some way. Someone of importance to them, whatever it might be. Uh, it could be parent, it could be uh, a lover, it could be a friend, it could be even sometimes an enemy. But the purpose of this is, is unusual from the standpoint that it's the beginning of what is known as aspiration. Uh, aspiration actually takes place during spiritual discipleship, and we'll get into that later in the show. But this kind of aspiration is spiritual non-discipline. <laughs> It's spiritual discipline, if you want to call it that, for the wrong purpose. Benefit of well, the person themselves and they usually don't care much about how much it benefits someone else other than what they get back in appreciation maybe, for what they're doing. Yeah, that happens. So a lot of people would call this, oh, isn't that like charity or, you know, volunteering or, it's kind of all of those things could be part of this kind of towing in on spiritual and finding out what what it's about. For some people, it's a need to test to see if God exists. Uh, it's sort of like, I'll do some good things, and it makes you feel good to do good things because it does help people maybe on a personal level, or it may help them beyond that. But the motive is so I can feel more of God. That's the motive. I want to feel more of God. I want to feel closer to God. So they may join anything, any group, any organization. It may be a spiritually-based organization, a faith-based one. It could be a religious one. It might be uh, anything, anything they can volunteer for. It could be a real spiritual group, but they're not necessarily disciplining themselves to become part of the group, or they might say they are. That's a whole other thing. We're going to get into that because, that's, as I said, that's an aspirin stage of trying to be in the spiritual environment. But this sort of thing happens long before people find spiritual groups or anything like that. This happens uh, quite a few times through a person's lifetime on average. Now, some people are pretty... Selfish and they don't experience it at all in a particular lifetime. But uh, generally speaking, most people experience some of this stick-in-the-toe-in during most lifetimes. So it's not unusual. And it's because we have this need. The need comes from our two senses in three different bodies that help us to understand and to co-create with God. Those are the two senses we have. And we don't like those senses being completely vacant. When they aren't, we have a sense of hollowness in our experience of life. It's like a major piece of life is missing. So to fill in that piece of life, a lot of people, a lot of times, do the toe-in uh, to, to, to feel what it's like to be spiritual. Now, you could say, well, it's kind of like a half-baked effort, and what does it really do? It may be nothing. Sometimes it even causes some harm in some situations. But people do do this. And it's because of a grand need, oftentimes connected to desire, so it's an astral issue, Uh, to feel, to feel closer to something bigger than they are, way bigger God. And sometimes it becomes sublimated. Now, what does that mean? That means it gets tossed into something that's usually smaller and less uh, less important, and it'll be sublimated maybe into some kind of um, important doctrine they believe in or important part of life. It has nothing to do with, specifically with God, but to them it it it, it makes them feel better because it's getting closer to something that's really important. But not important as nearly important as God is, and so those are folks who maybe don't really have uh, much belief, if any, in God, and so they don't use that method uh, per se. They go to the weaker, uh, sublimated issue, meaning substituting uh, for um, you know something they consider important. It might be you know let's save the trees or something, so whatever it might be. Um, to give them some spiritual, I know this sounds strange, but spiritual feeling, even though they may deny it has anything to do with God. It does, because it's the senses I'm telling you about, the heart and crown chakra in the three bodies that is giving them this urge. It's not coming from nowhere. It's coming from inside of them. And every so often that itch has to be scratched, so to speak, and they are willing to put themselves out and do some things that are giving and helpful. But on a personal level usually. And sometimes it completely ignores God and other times it doesn't. Well, is that a bad thing? No. No, it's not because you gotta have to start somewhere. And we're created as human beings to do this so it isn't like gee that happened by accident or somehow people stumble into being a, to live, wanting to live spiritually it's none of that it's because it's the nature of a human being and not the nature of anything less than human. not the nature so we are seeking our creator well you know Dolphins are seeking a completely different experience, <laughs> and they don't seek their creator. They don't have the sense of it, so they can't seek it. They may be wonderful, though. They may be actually very loving. But they just don't love God. And so humans have that capacity and use it sometimes during these times before they're a spiritual disciple in any particular lifetime. They use it during a lot of lifetimes to put their toe in the water and feel what it means to be spiritual. Now, uh, I'm not encouraging people that that's the road to take if you're listening to tonight's show. This is not a uh, a selling point. Uh, I'm only reporting. So this is a report and a teaching about this. Uh, we could have a whole show just about how that kind of life is. But we're not. Tonight's show is the life of spiritual disciples, not the life of people who are wanting to feel spiritual, who aren't willing to discipline themselves. So that's that's for another show. You know? But for right now, we'll move ahead. I thought it would be good to start with that because uh, it gives us the foundation of where we move from. And it tells us that even some very relatively low consciousness people have some spiritual uh experience. And they have it through their senses. That it's important to realize that we should negate that. Never do that. Okay, and that's the reason why religion is such a big thing, because it provides for some people this step. It is the um the crossover. Spiritual religion could, can lead to strong Spiritual discipleship. Some religions do that, and uh, the same religions sometimes don't. What they do is they provide this: put the toe in and feel what it likes, feel feel what it's like to be spiritual at times, and that is the more attractive part. If you go by numerical factors of how many people are involved in most uh, religions, that's it. Not spiritual discipleship. So oh, that's a whole other way of understanding it, and maybe it is more uh, better understood now. I hope so. Okay, so let's get to what tonight's show is about life as a spiritual disciple. Well, there is a stage that is the same kind of thing. It's called the aspirant stage, where a person actually is aspiring to actually discipline themselves. That means limit their sense, senses, in a methodical way, so they can be of service to others. But they're willing to limit their senses a little bit, and they're limit- willing to improve them a little bit. Sometimes it's just by reading or coming to a class. Or something. But if they're going to actually be of service to others, that's a big step, and they need to move from an aspirant to something beyond the aspirant stage. Now, the interesting thing about this is you can't always notice or know whether a person is an aspirant or truly a spiritual disciple. Uh, Sometimes a person will do a lot of things and, you know, actually do things, but they're missing some important ingredients and they actually still are in an aspirant stage, even though it appears they're way beyond it. Now, why is that? Well, because uh, the doing of something has to have the correct motive. And people can do different behaviors, uh, which we might call service, that is more of a volunteer nature, especially if, um, if, if they have a lot of glamours in them that control them, a lot of desires. And so the issue can, can fool people. It can make them seem like, "Wow, well, that person's really going to be great, you know, spiritual there. But they're not disciplining themselves for the purpose, the motive, of um, getting closer to God. It might be for the purpose of getting closer to a spiritual group. It might be for getting closer to uh, some friends they have. It might be for getting closer to their spouse. It might be for getting closer to finding a spouse. It might be getting closer to a lot of areas. And so the aspirant has a hidden agenda. It's usually hidden to themselves and certainly to others. And the motive for their behaviors is extremely deeply hidden uh, from most people. And one of the ways to recognize it is that they usually don't uh, study as much as others, and they don't have as good an understanding of what you would need to understand to truly spiritually discipline yourself. And with that level of misunderstanding, you almost know that they are doing things for appearances' sake and for interactions that lead to different results than for them to become. Enlightened part of God, uh, and so that's the bottom line. And you, and you can notice that part. And if you see it in someone, then you've got to be on guard because um, aspirants last about six months, give or take. But, I mean, it could go eight, nine more months, but but the, or, or more of months. But it won't go. It won't go past a year. Almost certainly, never goes past a year. And, and and so during this frenetic period of time, they seem really gung ho. They really you know, they may do a lot of activities that seem to be of, of some kind of spiritual nature. And um, but there's this hollowness that's really caused by desire, by by glamor that is for something different than what spiritual discipline is about. And so they're gutting the real value of spiritual discipline. They may do some small levels of it, but they're not—they're not going with the whole thing. And then there's different ways of spiritually disciplining yourself. Some people will spiritually discipline themselves physically uh, without much uh, difficulty, particularly if they've done it once or twice or five times before. It's not such a hard thing to do. But then astral discipline is. Becomes very difficult if that's not something they're doing for the right motive, and mental discipline becomes virtually impossible. And they just, at the mental point, they will kind of um, quickly snap, like in short period, of time, quickly snap, and they can't take it. Now, what is mental discipline? Mental discipline is being open-minded, uh, accepting that you have. Uh, a lot of problems and things you need to solve in yourself and most of the mistakes that you're making are not due to anybody else than yourself. And most of the issues to solve are, are related to to things that are um, defects, we'll call them, in the way the senses have been abused. So it mean, it takes a huge amount of gratitude and humility and uh, in order to survive that that struggle, and the same with astral, I mean, if people want to keep how they they want to feel the way they want to feel. They don't want to feel feel the way uh, a spiritual person feels because that's only about God. They want to feel all kinds of other stuff in their life that's more personal to them. And those feelings, if they take precedence over the God feelings, then that will wipe them out too. And so it, it's a really uh, tough life to to lead, if you're going to be something more than an aspirant, aspirant means, gee, I'd like to be, but I'm not willing to be, if you're really going to do it, then a, the life of a spiritual disciple is a tough choice because it requires inwardly the most difficult of things to change in human being. What are those things? it requires a fortitude and physicalness that allows a person to give on a physical level, and that that even includes time, money, a lot of energy, um, towards uh, creating and co-creating more spiritual parts of the world, doing things that will help the world become more spiritual. And the physical part of it what well, I said a few minutes ago is really the easiest part. Uh, it is a big challenge for some folks because it means that you're not doing the spiritual part for your own gain, but for the gain of others, and often for your own losses. You're not going to gain anything; you may not, may lose something. So the result is is never a, a very um, easy path for almost all people. Uh, the, those with more have a more difficult time giving up uh, things, whatever the things might be, than those who have less. So the challenge becomes greater for those with a great deal more. But it's still, either way, it's difficult for, for both sides. It's just more difficult for, for the the people who might be wealthy and uh, have a lot of conveniences and everything. All right, so now we, we're just looking at the basic uh, way this system works. Uh, we've got three different levels that a person can discipline themselves because there's three different bodies. Each body has seven senses in it. And you're, so you're disciplining a total. Well, if you collectively join the senses together, there would be 21. But you would have to look at the mental senses as being separated, as they are right now. And uh, that causes a, a bit of a difference. And the etheric senses are different from the physical. They're separate. So we have a lot of separation and a lot of different senses to try to improve and to make ourselves into a more spiritual being. And motive is very critical. And motive is so elusive. It's very difficult for most people to see their own motives. By the time they do, they may have made a lot of decisions and done a lot of things that aren't right. Because the motive is wrong, and they didn't realize it. The time to best change something is as soon as you realize. Got the wrong motive. You don't want to continue with wrong motive because it's seductive. It will uh, it will completely corrupt a person, given even a relatively short period of time. If a person has an inkling, oh well, my motive might be wrong, but I'm going to keep doing this. But I don't know for sure. And uh, every day could be uh, monumentally destructive. To their eventual outcome of being a spiritual person and leading a spiritual life. So it's it's a tough road to hoe because there's very little tolerance, very little tolerance to having wrong motive and trying to lead a spiritual life. The smallest amount of wrong motive can screw up the. Uh, relatively large amount of spiritual discipline and give very bad results, even though it looks like the person is doing the right thing. The wrong motive is so deeply hidden in a lot of circumstances. You just don't know it's wrong until usually it's too late. All right, so life as a spiritual disciple has its challenges. And uh, if you haven't tried this, you'll know it once you try it because it's, it's tough. The um, the people that b- become truly spiritually disciplined with right motive uh, are then on the path of what in, on this planet now. This is specific uh, almost to Earth. There's other a few other planets that are doing it, but Earth is right out there, right in front uh, with initiation. And initiations changes the whole complexion of spiritual life and spiritual discipline. And the reason for this is that on most planets, they don't they don't have that. <laughs> okay. And when you don't have spiritual initiations, the entire job of the spiritual discipline is done by the spiritual disciple. They don't. They don't. Nobody comes in and just says, oh, "Okay, you did." 40%, here's the rest of the 60 and now we'll move on. Well, it sounds like Earth is a big, uh, a, a big ticket to getting someplace fast. Well, it is, if you want to look at it from that standpoint. It's also hell on Earth, literally, because when you accelerate by outside or extrinsic means the process of spiritual discipline, which I'm going to explain, it produces sometimes catastrophic results. Now, you you know, at the beginning of the show, I said that it's done internally. We we decide to do it, and blank, 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 and it's all under our control. But on a planet like Earth, there is an agreement with our soul and the solar angel that um, we have participated in, at that level anyway. That we're going to get to a certain level, which is a moving target, it increases all the time. And uh, when we get to that level of spiritual discipline, uh, beings beyond human will fill in the gaps and zap us and increase the level of sense and unification of the senses to a higher place. That's what an initiation does. Now, that's okay, except you, they can change the senses, but they can't change the motivation. That's a spiritual thing about thought, and you don't change the person's thinking just because you change their, their senses. You change even somewhat the spirit in their senses, but you don't change them, as a being with a self and a piece of their soul. So, that's where the problem lies. It's like half-baked. And uh, I've heard from some beings that this half-bakedness is not perfected, and nobody knows a solution. It's like We are in the middle of this thing. It's been used elsewhere at great cost sometimes. And there is not a perfect or even close to perfect way to use it. So it works all the time or even most of the time. All right. I'm going to leave you with that thought for a couple of minutes. And while you sit and ponder it, Because we're talking about that here, life as a spiritual disciple here on Earth, and that's what this thing is about. It's it's part of the initiation process. And I said I was going to bring it in. Uh, It's not going to be the majority of the show, but it's going to... uh, And I'll talk about some solutions that I've thought of that haven't been tried and some things that each of us can work on to maybe make it better. Anyway, uh, we will be back in about two and a half minutes.
1: From right now. Hi, everyone. Since childhood, I've had questions about my life and life in general that I couldn't find adequate answers to. Questions like why am I here? Why are others here? Does the universe have a purpose? And how does that relate to my life? More recently, I've been wondering what happens when we die, especially the reasons why. I'm more of a doubter than a believer in many things, and answers that include the whys allow me to think and figure out the truth for myself. I've been reading a book, Life's Hidden Meaning. This one book contains more answers, including the wise, than all other sources I've read or heard. It's amazing to me that every one of my questions has been thoroughly answered. More importantly, I have found that all of these answers so far have checked out to be true. I hope this message helps some of you in your quest for better understanding. The name of this wonderful book is again Life's Hidden Meaning by metaphysician Niles McFlower. Some bookstores sell it. I got my copy directly from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com. Life's Hidden Meaning may enlighten your mind and bring some peace and joy to your heart. Hun, what book are you reading? It's a novel, kind of, about romance, love, and spiritual life in general. Kind of a novel? What do you mean? Well, it's based on some real-life experiences and even real characters. Some of their experiences are fascinating and remarkable. I can't put this book down. How come the title is Afterlife Love? That's part of the fascination. This book describes the afterlife in intricate detail and even explains why things are the way they're explained. But how can anyone write about or know that? Some of the characters travel out of body to some places that people who've already died also go to. I'm finding it completely believable because it all makes sense and fits into a bigger picture for me. Hon, what happens to these people? You can read it for yourself when I'm done if you want. Better yet, I'll get my own copy so we can discuss it while we read. Let me see. I'll write down the title. It's Afterlife Love by Niles McFlower. M-A-C-F-L-O-U-E-R. Afterlife Love is available in some bookstores and from the publisher at AgelessWisdom.com or 480-966-3132. That's 480-966-3132.
0: back. This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. Tonight we're talking about life as a spiritual disciple, uh, and it's going to be different than some other shows I've done on a similar subject, but not uh, not anything like tonight's show, actually. And so I just ended with an anomaly, which is that uh, we here on Earth are trying a method which is not used very often, and it's called uh, Initiation, spiritual initiations. And on uh, in, uh, most planets, spiritual discipleship is a much longer process, much gentler <laughs> on, uh the way it's employed. And people have to finish the process themselves. There's no zapping of centers or senses to unify them in a certain level of uh, consistency. And there's the benefit to to, to the way other planets do it because uh, the motivation of the person coming from their spiritual understanding or general level of consciousness usually matches the level of sense and unification of sense. So you don't have um, people with improved senses with not so improved consciousness and thought and motivation. And unfortunately, we do have that. So, on other planets, uh, the failure rate for spiritual discipleship is fairly low. I mean, it's in the single digits in some places. Here, it's very high. Most people who attempt to do the spiritual discipline business, uh, especially as they move through each initiation process, uh, have lifetimes that they just Whack out completely. They don't. They don't create virtue. They may even become dark, and some become evil. As a matter of fact, almost all of the beings in the dark hierarchy, evil hierarchy, um, at one time or another, were spiritual disciples. Now, how's that for a freakish idea? And uh, they actually did some unification of the centers and all the stuff I'm talking about. And they may have gone through one, two, or up to two spiritual initiations uh, before they became evil. Wow. Holy cow, that's wacko. And um, the other possibility is that uh, they may have not completed in initiation And going on and worked on the next one, too, which is another thing. It's called splitting discipleship. And that causes another reason why some of them turn out to be uh, dark and eventually evil. It is a real mess. But we are doing this for a good purpose. It saves time. And we're talking about a lot of time. Uh, Generally speaking, the initiatory uh, process saves about half the time to develop races of human beings into spiritual races, if it works, and the people don't exterminate themselves, and the planet as well. That's a big if. I know. And if you look at Earth's history, you can see how challenged we've been to try to create this world into an enlightened place. We're not even close right now. And so it's a it's a difficult difficult process. Every soul that's involved in it, it's here voluntarily. Came here to be involved in it, oftentimes in world that there's no such process in. You know? These souls are almost virgin to the initiatory process, many of them are. And uh, they are here because they want to not only experience the process, but they want to contribute most importantly, because their motive is right. They want it to be an enlightened world, and to overcome uh, the most worst kinds of evil that could uh, become part of a world like this. So we're kind of we're in the midst of it. Now, being a spiritual disciple here, that means, has a much steeper curve of development um, because the process itself is accelerated by at least two times. And it depends on the person. You could actually accelerate it more than that with even greater levels of challenge and difficulties. Everything is by choice, though. Our souls came here by choice. We incarnate in these lifetimes. By choice. And when we go back at the point of being ourselves in completion, we stay here. By choice. Do some leave? Yes. Are there plenty that probably never came in the first place? Yep. So that's the that's the difference of life as a spiritual disciple here in comparison to most, but not all other worlds and there's a quirkiness to this whole thing because you can see a pattern in it and there's different stages and we'll talk about that but the most important part of tonight's show is about the life of people and that's where I'm going to try to emphasize the show i want i do want you to know the structure and the science of it because it, otherwise i'd be talking about a bunch of a bunch of confusing things that nobody would really realize what i was talking about but The life of people is what is so critical, and I'm trying to uh, illuminate that life so that people can make sort of informed choices about what they want to do with their life and what they're headed into. Now, if that makes sense to you, keep keep listening, because I'm doing all I can to be of greater greater service to uh, everybody who is uh, listening in tonight. uh, That's a good thing, I hope. All right, so let's start talking about just the general structure of the initiations. You've heard this from other shows, so I'm only going to spend a few minutes on this. And even if you don't get it right now, it won't change what you get out of tonight's show. So there's, there's a total of four human initiations at the present time. The number of initiations a person goes through has to do with the acceleration process of unification of sense and the standard to what that unification level is at the particular time to enter the next kingdom. It's a moving target. It used to be 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, considerably different than it is today. Less initiations... Less unification of the senses in general uh, to become a member of the next kingdom. As a matter of fact, there was a time when, if you unified the senses in just the physical body alone, you became a member of the next kingdom. And then uh, it eventually became you had to unify the senses in the astral body, and then uh, before you had before you had to unify those two bodies, you could become a member of the next kingdom. Then. You had to unify those two bodies. Each step of the way gets more difficult. And finally, uh, you had to unify the senses in three bodies, and two of them had to be unified. And then uh, now it's all three bodies. have The senses have to be unified, and they all have to be unified, all the bodies together, with one sense of the three lower worlds. That is the standard to becoming a master of the Ageless Wisdom, or what some people call, well, it's a superhuman man, right? That's like a living soul. Yeah, that's right. That's like living soul. And the soul ascends. It ascends to the Buddhist plane. Now, in the past, the soul used to ascend to the seventh Buddhist subplane, and then to the sixth, and then to the fifth. And now, it ascends to the fourth Buddhic subplane. So, the ascension has also changed to a higher standard. There's big differences between each of those levels of consciousness. And so the soul itself, when it has left the human kingdom, is has already gone up four levels from where it was in terms of subplanes of, of Buddha consciousness. And so there's been a big change in the initiatory process because why is it like that? Well, because we think it's a moving target and it's getting harder, but it's not, in relative terms, it stays the same. It's just as difficult for a disciple of today as it was for a disciple of millions of years ago to unify the level that you needed to to enter the next kingdom. The same relative standards, because the the beings who make the standards of the next couple of kingdoms beyond human, those beings understand exactly how hard it is by exactly what is the structure of the system is. And they can measure it. They know. So they try to keep the standard as close as possible to being approximately the same. And the amount of uh, energy that is released or changed and that uh, the amount of uh, sense unification, while it is increasing tremendously, is constant in terms of the relative level of development that the person has. So there is no real change there either. I mean, it, it's so amazing that someone as primitive as millions of years ago uh it could could become a member of the next kingdom and everything is in relative terms the same. Interesting. Let's talk about motivation. The level of motivation has to equal the le- level of capability in order for this process to work properly. Now that's the tricky part. You can fill in the blanks with the zapping of the centers in changing their levels of enlightenment and fusion. But you can't change the motivation and thought of the person, and that's continually going up. So think about it this way. Today, uh, we have to improve ourselves in our thoughts. Our spiritual beingness has to go way up, and that is not done for us by the initiatory process. The only thing that's done is we get better senses with a lot more information that could be accurate if we choose it to be, with less subconscious involvement, at least initially after the initiatory uh, zapping, we'll call it. But we have to carry the ball. And the ball has gotten heavier and heavier and heavier in terms of our consciousness and our level of understanding and motivations. And so the failure rates have been increasing, not declining, as a result of that equation. You probably didn't know that unless you've been in some classes, I've taught. You probably didn't know that. That might frighten some people because you can see now, if you're listening carefully, that it is a uh, dramatic difference with problems, implications of a lot of problems, coming because more and more people are going to fail proportionately if you don't change the this, this spiritual understanding or consciousness of people. Now, there is a built-in um, method that is supposed to improve it. First of all, there's the avatar system. There are supposed to be some planetary avatars and, more importantly, some cosmic avatars that appear occasionally that tremendously are supposed to build the consciousness of humanity. How do they do that? Well, that's the whole point. They have to create it for, at the moment, and they have to figure out ways of doing it. Some of them are successful. Sometimes they're very unsuccessful. They have the same problems because they themselves have to go through the initiatory process. They don't come here and maintain their level of consciousness. They come here and they mostly lose it if they're cosmic avatars. And they don't lose it if they're planetary. That's a good thing, except that the planetary folks are not as committed to Earth. They're committed for the time they're here, but not to Earth for all time and the the cosmic ones can't return they've given that option up, so they 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 have to start all over again, and they are more committed they they're they're dogged in the way that they're going to go about this thing, but sometimes they slip up, and sometimes the job is just not you know it's almost impossible, but at the present time, one of the answers, to this uh, problem, which a lot of the show is going to be focusing on, is to um, improve the level of consciousness through, uh, we'll call it, spiritual education and spiritual knowledge, which is not disconnected from consciousness. So the knowledge has to come from Higher concepts, rather than from lower thought forms and lower concepts, or from some thought forms and lower concepts, and that's the big trick is to make that happen that way. The person or people who do this sort of work have to be unusually good teachers. I mean, beyond uh, anything that has probably ever happened here on Earth. And they have to be able to create this in a way that uh, it fits into all seven of the categories, not just the category of teaching and people being students, but it has to affect all parts of the world. So they teach not just for people who want to become spiritual disciples on a conscious level, but people who are spiritual disciples and don't even know it, but are functioning in a different area of... Uh, life than to uh, become a student of uh, of these teachings and the teachings in general are referred to as angel's wisdom. But but that is a, a huge difference from what I'm talking about. Angel's wisdom has always been somewhat ontological and cosmological, but it has never been wholly representative. And in order for this system to work today, because of the needs of the disciples to have clear motive and full understanding, you've got to have full concepts, you've got to have them so large that they overcome the resistance of the selfish personality and the desires of and glamours that a person has about their little life, their small life. So their life becomes bigger due to bigger concepts that they make and create into their life, and live those concepts themselves. That's a change from the past. The past has been extremely micro management of this sort of thing, and not much on the big picture. And when it was presented on a big picture level, most people couldn't understand it because they didn't have the capacity. This is the first time historically on Earth that human beings have, are about to reach the capacity and it has to do with a thing called the sixth sub-race or the uh, fifth race. And so they're just starting to reach that level. And uh, there's not that many people, but there's enough so that it could be started now. And it could relieve the terrible failure that spiritual disciples have today at leading a spiritual life because of the wrong motive and... call it the wrong understanding or consciousness of what God is and what they want to be in relationship to God. And it's those things that have to be tackled first. So, if we look at the basic problem of life as a spiritual disciple... And we're going to go through the specifics because I'm going to go through all the different kinds of lives people live by race and other stuff. But if you look at the general category, you start to see that the answer to this equation, the answer to the whole situation, uh, is to uh, have a new form of education. Education has to be education for people who want to do two things. Those that want to, um, for a short period in their life, and they may come and go a number of times, uh, go in and put their toe in. That's the people I talked about right at the beginning of the show. They're not going to be spiritual disciples in this lifetime, but they want to experience what it means to be spiritual. And so you need a program for those folks, and it should be part of the general education of everybody, starting from the first day of school. Now, this is a major change from what we presently do. I don't want you to think that I'm not aware of that. <laughs> I'm talking like this is like big, okay. and then uh, okay, but that needs that needs to take place, and it needs to be optional, people. choose to uh, go to that kind of resource or not. If parents of children don't want their kids going there, they don't have to put them there. But it should be available, and it is not at the present time. And there's all kinds of creative ways, um, including, you know, Montessori ideas, but much deeper than that, to present to very young folks, and then eventually older folks but still people who just want to put their toe in. They're not ready. This isn't a lifetime, but it's an important step because they stop being an obstacle for spiritual disciples if they get to put their toe in. If you don't let them put the toe in or there's no way for them to do it, they become obstacles, and I mean big obstacles. They stop. The people who are really wanting to do spiritual discipline in many circumstances and some of them become the hench people of evil. So that's, you know, they're going out to do mad in the world. They don't even realize. And they're easily convinced to become selfish because they don't know what spiritual is. They just, it's not part of them. And to fill in the gap, they'll try to fill in the gap with materiality and with taking and with destruction and ungodly selfishness. selfishness. That's the sort of thing that you end up with. So it isn't like, well, you just don't grow as fast. No, you end up with very destructive results. Wow. Yeah. Okay, what's the other general part of what I'm going to be talking about? Well, the other general part is to then have uh, for people who are spiritual disciples, who have been in down that road before or are just about or are really ready to, to go into it. So they truly are at an aspirant stage of spiritual discipleship. And they, those folks, need a much deeper and stronger education. And that needs to be made available too, and again it's not available. There's a few schools that do kind of claim they're teaching Ageless wisdom, but they're teaching ancient wisdom. Things that were taught about Ageless wisdom fifty hundred years ago. In some cases they're teaching nonsense wisdom. <laughs> uh angels nonsense. Because they confuse or got wrong certain very basic and very important ideas, and once they did that, they left the spiritual path, and they're confusing people. They're harming. So that's another problem. At but there's so few of even the bad schools that do that, or people who are in groups. Some groups teach them like that. That it's not nothing to really worry about. <laughs> What what we have is the lack of, not so much that there's a lot of really bad schools out there, there are very few. Of them. So I would think we need some something like dozens, hundreds of these types of educational schools at all ages. So anybody can attend. And it would be for people who want to spiritually discipline themselves. People who are in or beginning in, or are in already, the initiatory process. And then part of the education, and again, these are general things, I'm not not going to specifics, but part of the general methods uh, would include preparing people for dealing with the effects of initiation from their prior one and from what might be coming forward. It might also prepare people to take initiation in the physical world, which is not happening. Initiation right now takes place in the mental world, not the physical. And in order for it to be a group initiation, where more than one person can be initiated at the same time as a spiritual group of people working together, here in the physical world or the astral, um, you would need to have the initiation take place in that world. Well, we're not there yet. That's a whole other part of the plan. Okay, how does that relate then to the challenges people are trying to get past? Well, if you if you can help people to recognize that once you've been gone through an initiation, it's not like oh the sky opens and angels come down. You know, I'm none of that. What happens is people usually go into a sort of depression. They feel uh, terrible because their motivation is not equal to their sins. They condemn themselves. They uh, feel despondent. And they can do that for one, two, three or more lifetimes. Including the one... Where they were initiated, if it happened while they were physically alive in the mental world, usually while they slept, but were actually completely awake. That's rare. More of them are not taking place that way. They take place in the astral or even mental dimensions. So you get all of this happening, and yet people can't deal with it very well because they don't have the tools. Or, if someone is about to take an initiation, that's even more important to prepare them for what is a difficult series of changes. And there are a number of systems to be able, that you could do, work with somebody, so that you would mitigate most of the negative effects, if you could do it beforehand, particularly. It's hard to do it afterwards, because that's catch-up, and it's very difficult, but you could do it beforehand, like months. Years would be better, but months at least. Um, you could m- mitigate most of the negative effects of the initiation, giving people a much better chance to really spiritually serve. Then, that initiation becomes a valuable, valuable initiation, because you don't have the contradicting motive and Lack of spiritual thinking of the person who has now improved senses, but not necessarily improved life, yeah all right, and let's get let's talk about some of the negative effects, so we understand them and again, this is all general. I'm going to go more specific, but um the negative effects of anyone who's been through an initiation or is about to go through one, are the foul uh, Usually the person has a lack of motive to continue with the new, improved senses because their motive was wrong to begin with, and it clashes more intensely with the improved senses so the person has a, a sense of dread and uh, in- inability, inability, because they notice more the errors that they are making. Not less. They make more errors only because they're motivated wrongly with the level of capability they have. You increase someone's capability by thirty percent, and their motive does not change. So they're not they're not motivated to use their extra thirty percent that creates for them a burden. It makes them feel as though they are terrible and incapable, which is the exact opposite of what they actually are, but they believe that. In the case, And it gives them a sense of inferiority instead of superiority in some ways. Oddly, some people make up for the difference by acting or even being superior in the ways that they aren't. (laughs) Tell me that isn't paradoxical. Now, why would they do something like that? Because the ways that they aren't that great match their motives better, their motivation better, than the ways that they are. (laughs) Human beings are confusing. They are really confusing beings, aren't they? They are confused, but they are confusing. That's right. I've seen this so many times, and it's it, it's, it's unbelievable, but it's true. That's what happens. We will call this esoteric psychology. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's that is strange, but it actually occurs. What other things happen? Well, personal relationships become more difficult because if the person isn't moving on to the next plane uh, and they're going to remain in this one, they are still with the same people they knew before, right? And those people haven't necessarily changed because they're not being group-initiated at this point. It's individual. And their capabilities have remained the same. The other person's capabilities have arisen. They have the same motives together. But the person with the greater capabilities uh, becomes intolerant and uh, sometimes abusive of the people with the lesser capabilities because, number one, they they feel terrible due to the wrong motivation they've got, which matches the other people. And they condemn the other people by a thing called projection of their own guilt from their wrong motivation that compares to their capabilities. They Blame the other people for their lack of capability, <laughs> uh, and, and change their motivation into something more of a proselytizing and also condemning kind of thing on others. It's crazy. Yeah, it's all it's all nuts. But this really happens, and it's why we are just not moving ahead these days because <laughs> this is really getting worse and more confusing. Now, you may know that the third ray has started to decline, which means that the throat chakra in our three bodies are not being kept uh, to their maximum level of ability, uh, even when they have a lot of retained energy due to selfishness. They're not being uh, held up, because the focus of the third planetary ray lord that... Was doing that until the end of 2012. So, what's happening now is it's declining, and this is adding to the problem. It is making people less able to properly communicate. And uh, since there's a substance of hearing connected to the throat chakras, um, that also is diminished. So, the spiritual part of the person that could be there, how they Hear things before they speak, or uh, before they understand what they're going to speak, is uh, reduced. Now, real hearing comes from the sexual center, but that's different. This is this is about speech, specifically, and speech that's about with uh, spiritual issues. So, so what you have now is a kind of uh, numbness, a lack of understanding and sense. And this sense is very important because it's the major sense that works with our society and technology, and uh, the entire civilization is founded on it, and uh, it's diminishing. And for some people, it's becoming rigid. In other words, instead of being adaptable to the change, the person becomes obstinate to not change. <laughs> I don't fix them. I won't change. <laughs> I'll be more selfish. Uh, that's what happens. People don't communicate in selfish ways. They think that um, they're saving time and energy. They're also uh, destroying other people's time and energy, and they're not really saving their own either, but they don't realize it. That causes a tremendous amount of angst. And for spiritual disciples, especially if they're about to become an init- a new initiate at a new level, or they've already gone through one in, in that, right before that lifetime, then the results are they suffer even worse during these particular times because you have this, it's called crystallization of some people that makes it very difficult to communicate with. And that adds to this sense that other people's senses, in relative terms, have diminished. And so the person feels frustrated, but they also still may be condemning of that frustration through that frustration because they are hiding the fact that they have still a diminished capacity of motive not of sense this is a this is this is all co about all of it because earth is this cauldron of attempting to make things go faster than is normal, natural. We're pushing the limits. Good or bad, it'll have its effects, and we'll see where it ends up. Okay, so trying to solve this area, again, is uh, some things that I have on a general scale come up with, again. Besides what I suggested about the education factors, et cetera, it's best that people become more aware of their bad motives. More. And not be projecting it, which means uh, keeping it from hidden from themselves by saying it's other people who are doing it. And how do you make people more aware of of their, quote, we'll inferior motives in comparison to their capabilities? Well, there's a, a few def, definite ways that, that you can achieve that. First thing is you can offer people rewards uh, to um, their, um, what we'll call it personal interests to get them to become aware of the lack of proper motives. It isn't to reward them to become aware of it, really. The award is the trap to realizing that they do have bad motives. So people take, bite on the reward, so to speak. They take the reward, whatever it might be, the benefits. And they then find that the benefits causes them to become more aware of their own selfishness in their motives interesting idea. And there's various ways to do this uh, along all seven ray functions. They're fairly sophisticated. It requires uh, not only an educational system that that needs to be changed. It requires an interactional system uh, through various kinds of uh, what we called ray-focused means of creation that usually applies to different fields both professional and technical, that will would allow vast numbers of people to start recognizing that their motives are uh, not high enough to match their capabilities. And then you can fill in the difference once the person is aware of it and accepts it to some level with the educational part that I mentioned earlier. So uh, this is a little tricky say the least. But I think that it could be managed. And it's sort of like an extension. Uh, I'm going to try to give you an example because what I just said is very conceptual. It's sort of like the example of the uh, 70s when there was all this personal growth stuff going on. Growth centers. I had quite a bit to do with those at at that particular time. And uh, what those kinds of centers did that were the really good ones, was to do exactly what I just suggested. And they got people to recognize the uh, holes in their consciousness by giving them something that they thought was valuable, that they desired, and letting them explore that in a sort of uh, interactive way with people. And then to get them to discover it's true... in lack of value to them. And then in that, they became aware of their own selfishness and uh, poor motivations. The poor being motivations that were were selfish. So I'm suggesting this could be done on a wider scale in different ways. I'm not suggesting that try to get everybody to join some kind of personal growth group or Encounter group, they used to call it. That's uh, not even close to what I'm referring to today. And so you uh, you permit this process, and you encourage it by being smart, by being very, very conscious of and wise of what will bring people to a higher level of understanding of who they are. Interesting stuff. Huh? I find it that way. And uh, I, I'll give you a direct example. Let's say you're a business person. So you're rolling the seventh rate. you got a business. And uh, you decide to hire some people. And in hiring the people, you say, look, I'll give you a bonus if you do these four or five different things here. And uh, each step of the way, uh, the only thing I ask is that, that you, after you get the bonus, uh, you let me know what it meant to you in your life to get that bonus and what changes uh, uh, in yourself came about. And eventually, people in that system uh, find out more about themselves than the bonus means anything about. And you could uh, structure it in such a way that they could become much more aware of what their lack of motivation is because they're being rewarded by something that doesn't make them feel better because it goes against their motives in comparison to their capabilities. Now, you only do this to people, of course, who need this sort of thing. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people will not find that very important. I'm talking about people who have already gone through a spiritual initiation. So you've got to locate those people and use this method on them, as an example. And a lot of people say, well, that's kind of tricky psychology. Well, not really. It's a kind of a spiritual psychology. It's a way of awakening somebody to what's missing. The book I wrote, uh, the textbook I wrote, is called Life's Hidden Meaning. And uh, the meaning in life that's hidden is directly connected to this lack of motivation that most people have and to their selfish thoughts in comparison to what they're capable of doing. And of course, eventually the capabilities will diminish to the level of the thought. So by the time a person is ready to die from this life and go on to the next, they'll diminish their life to the level that their spiritual thought is. Because energy follows thought. Wow. Yeah, I know that some of this is a little bit hard to follow, but it's it's interesting nonetheless. Okay, so for let's get down to the more the uh, deeper side of this and go into the our specific side of this and talk about areas of life as they are today, uh, uh, existent for spiritual disciples and what they could be doing. And I'm going to go through this in terms of different levels of spiritual discipleship and what people usually find themselves about it. And so this is to help people to understand who they are and what they're doing and what level of motivation they need to be able to keep up with the level of capability that they should have. Okay. You could also say the reverse. What about somebody who has a high level of motivation but hasn't gotten their capabilities up? But those people almost always find ways to spiritually discipline themselves to bring their senses up. It's the people in the reverse that I'm more concerned about. But both sides are important to be concerned about, and there should be answers for all of them. Okay, so let's uh, start off with people who are functioning in what is known as along the first ray. What is that? Well, the first ray has to do with, in terms of uh, civilization, it deals with concepts of policies and, and political uh, power, the ability to create things that uh, affect large numbers of people. Uh, Usually it has to do with governing. It usually has to do with uh, trying to be of service to people by helping to uh, find a group-conscious standard that does not interfere with the individual development and growth of each of the society's members. And uh, there's only only a handful of leaders in the world that can do anything similar to that right now. So we have to look at this as the rarity rather than the or exception rather than the standard as it is today. Earth is a dark place. It's not powerful. You would want to be enlightenment and spiritual discipline. What does it mean, then, if you're trying to do this and enlighten the place where you're at in terms of this first Ray method? Well, you're looking for uh, wherever your capabilities put you. Now, it could be like you know, your local school board or it could be you know, uh, a senator from a state or something or a governor. But the point is that whatever it is that you think you're capable of, your motive needs to be the light of that ray. And the light of the ray is to help people in fairly larger numbers, even if it's a school board member, it's children, that's very important, to do the following. To find for themselves individual creation and uh, development of their lower and higher self. Higher self is the part that is more soul-like and it's attempting to do things for others rather than for themselves. But both could be part of the process. And the lower self is really about the lower self. It's about that person growing in consciousness. Okay. And becoming less subconscious in in their life. So you want to try to help a person do that while they're interacting on a group basis with either other kids in the school or people in the town or people in the state or people in the country so that um, you are in a position governing the relationship between the development of the individual and the, we'll say, collective group of which you have some policy that allows the two to exist as, at maximum levels of creation without destruction and each person having as many choices as is possible. That's a tough thing to do because the balance of this whole thing is pretty difficult. the The answers for this are less is better. So you don't want to do a lot of policy-making because the more policies that are are put into place, uh, the less the individual will have of freedom. That's generally the, the, the situation. There are some policies that protect the individual, but generally speaking, the majority of the policies restrict the individual and improve the interaction with the group into relationship. But it's all being done to improve creativity. So if your creativity goes down remember this. You're failing. Creativity is measured. It's measurable in a civilization by the growth of all seven parts of the civilization with government being one of them. But you don't want to grow the government, you want to grow the quality of the government. You don't want size to be issue, you want quality. And quality comes from more creation, while individuality continues to grow, and so does the interactions of the group smoothly grow without forces imposed from either of the two. It's a big deal. And it's very difficult to achieve, uh, but there, if you follow the principles of it, you can get pretty darn close. Uh, there are very few places on Earth that even come close to following the principles of this. The United States has tried, and presently is a dismally failing, um, and other places have tried and have already failed. So it's not, a, it's not an easy thing. The first ray is almost never focused on Earth because the other side of it is destruction. And the destructive side, when there's a lot of darkness around, creates awful effects. Wars and terrible things. So it's, it's really kept from being focused on Earth very much. Most people don't suffer from it because it affects the crown chakra. And most people's crown chakra only has uh, a, a minimally active spirit sphere in it, and so it doesn't do that much in terms of increasing the life of most people. Spiritual disciples are the exception. So they need their crown chakra to be working, and uh, because of that, they're sensitive to the fact that they don't get any help from Ray Focus. And it becomes sometimes very difficult and frustrating, and some of them turn in towards the dark side. So there's a danger in going down that particular path because it it evals so much uh, stress on a person to attempt to deal with. Now, you notice I mentioned the word power. Power comes from the third part of God's mind and the third ray. But the first part of creation and also has destruction to it and power is oftentimes used as a means of destruction sometimes it's used as a means of creation so we need to realize that these these parts of God are not separable they're part of a big picture okay so people who are spiritual disciples, trying to live a spiritual life in this cauldron of politics and policies find it extremely stressful, usually, to be involved in that part of existence. Only a small number of spiritual disciples are successful at keeping their motives to the level of their capability. And in this particular field, it's the lowest of any of the parts of society. So the first ray, as is expressed through politics and policies, has the lowest level of success with spiritual disciples attempting to achieve uh, some level close to their capabilities of uh, motive matching their The only it rivals, and it, it's almost or very close to being the same, the second part, which we're going to come to next. But these two, actually, make up spirit, and that means spirit is very weak. Spiritual life is very weak, because it's it's controlled by the areas where we're failing the most, not the least. Okay. So, hopefully you're following what I just said. Now, how how do we improve that. And the, one of the ways to improve it is to lessen the size of government by a substantial amount. Way less than half of what we have by financial standards in the size of government. And by people, it should be probably a quarter to, to maybe a fifth of the size of the government. Right now. And so you got to have a very, very, very small government And the reason for it is you need people who are spiritual disciples. They are making a difference, and they have to be functioning with the right motives and have high capabilities, but you can't have them drowned in in a sea of other people who are either evil or just not very spiritual, and then that leads to a dark government that's corrupt. Corruption is the reduction of light due to personal interest. So you're reducing light because people are in their personalities but they're being spiritual beings. They're not leading a spiritual life. You can't be corrupt and lead a spiritual life. There's no such thing. Okay. They're not they are not compatible. Okay. Generally speaking, the United States government is corrupt, and some state governments are corrupt, like the eastern states particularly, but there are other states besides. Uh, And uh, the corruption aspect in the United States has been a big problem for a long time. I talked about this a few weeks ago. We started off with slavery and abuse of of the original inhabitants of the country, American Indians, and, and we Further, didn't immediately deal with a women problem. So, I mean, eventually, yes, women have pretty much equal rights now, but pretty much, but not exactly. And, but we dealt with it more. We, we allowed it to become part of a progressive movement instead of part of a spiritual movement. So we, all of these mistakes, has led the United States to become corrupt. And so we started with a corrupt government due to slavery. And um, it it got worse by the way we treated uh, the inhabitants of the country. It finally became the very worst when, in order for women to get somewhat equal rights, uh, they had to move into a non-spiritual uh, vogue of progressivism, uh, and that's crazy. That's how. It is. All right. So uh, we need to limit science to government, so that we can have it become more spiritual, and start functioning, so that people can live a spiritual life and be part of governing, if that's their way of contributing to the development of. Uh, of this planet. And not everybody is going to do that for sure. It may be the smallest uh, number of folks that might do that. Uh, And it's obviously not going to be everybody who's presently in our government because there's huge numbers of people that are far from even close to these groups. Okay, so, in that perspective, hopefully you can see that there is a way to, to find a solution, but it requires reducing both the corruption in the side, that's kind of synonymous, and allowing more enlightened people to have greater control over things so that, they, so that the dark folks won't be able to muddle up the works and destroy what little good is being done. Okay? There's a lot more to be said about that, but I won't have time for tonight to go into it, because, again, you could do a whole show on every one of these areas that are the seven seven parts of uh, existence. Okay, so very close to the failure rate of disciples along the first ray in, in terms of percentages. There's the second ray. But the second ray has actually many more failures it because it's a larger body. It's very, very big. And um, it's the education parts that people talk about in education. You but but because many more people are involved in education than they are in government. Although right now it's questionable with the size of government as much as it's grown under the, the most recent administration. But at any rate, let's look at it from, from this standpoint. Those along the second right which is still in focus way, it's a hard shot. Gain more understanding of God. They're not co-creating it as much. They are supposed to do some, though. No. But they gain more understanding of God in a direct way. They're very important. And there are more spiritual disciples along the second race than any other. Now listen to this. And there are more spiritual failed disciples along the second race than any other. Wow. So, again, that motivation thing, it really gets in the way when you're trying to learn, understand, and or teach um, spiritually. That's your life. And your motivation is wrong, wrong, too low, wrong, wrong level in comparison to what you're capable of. That results in a mess. And the adverse effects are so great on so many people because education is so. I mean, it's everywhere, right? I mean, you've got schools, every place. I mean, everybody is somehow involved in education. That's certainly not through a government. And so it's it's just a huge part of our life, and yet there are so many failed, spiritually disciplined people, along that particular focus, whoa, that's where the real the real problem lies. And now there are three different kinds of, we'll call them, levels of group service that could be done. You may have heard me say this before. Uh, and that's, you can you can do group service that is helpful along any of these ways uh, that I'm talking about. And please remember that most people that are functioning in a spiritual way do not realize, and will not call themselves spiritual disciples. And they don't recognize the group of people they may be working with. Our spiritual disciples. They may not even recognize it as a spiritual group because we've been taught spiritual is something you go to church about. So it's a different kind of definition than they may be used to. So don't think that when I'm referring to these folks that they have any clue that that's who or what they are. Okay. So... In terms of the educational issues, we need a lot of people who are doing some of the things I talked about earlier to resolve this problem and a lot more. And instead, they become almost formally bound into the dissemination, the collection, the understanding collection and dissemination of knowledge. Now, I'm not anti-knowledge. But knowledge is not the answer. The motivation has to be to create more consciousness move on then to the third part of God, the third expression of life and civilization, which is the third ray. Earth is a peculiar fullness for the third ray because um, the focus of civilization is third ray, but also the planet itself. The planet itself is being developed through the development of, of third ray concepts. What is third ray concept? power. Power is important, but it's only a piece of it. Most of it is about intelligent interactions. The ability to interact intelligently for life leads to the highest standard of what can be created in virtue along that particular part of God. And it is as it is here on Earth, because of the focus of the Third Uh, It has had a more profound, mostly negative profound, effect on civilization. It has really limited the development of civilization because of forces that become developed over time, with great civilizations being destroyed by their own internally created forces. But, of course, external ones come around and then match that and destroy them. But It's always because of what they're doing on the inside Okay. Now, what do people do in the spiritual life along the third way? The third way deals with uh, big parts of, uh, huge parts of uh, civilization. It includes things that involve force and power, like police and military and that sort of stuff. But it also includes things that are like big banking issues and the economy in general and uh it includes in addition <clears throat> in addition the ability for people to uh, create interactions this is how it fits in with the first ring or first part of that interactions that can lead to a group effect that enlightens through the development of civilization, a group effect that enlightens through the development of civilization itself. It becomes wrongly used by evil to destroy life and to limit intelligent interaction. So instead you get forces, and instead of there being intelligence in the interactions, they become unintelligent. They separate time and space, which is what causes the forces, and it leads people into sorrow and dismay, and it allows them to uh, become non-spiritual and also to lose the motivation to being and living a spiritual life. That's what the dark side is attempting to do, and they're pretty successful to this point. Now, if we look at the uh the side of success from spiritual disciples, there are some that have been very good at what they're doing more than along the second way proportionately and uh so here in the third ray parts, there are some light there is some light in the world it's not everywhere it's not consistent and but it's enough to sometimes keep people going in the face of terrible evil is the foundation of wars that have been fought and won by the side of light. I'm not in favor of war, but the ones that have been won by the side of light, that being the side that promotes the virtues of the third body, which is intelligent interaction, have been, on a large scale, successful. On a small scale, terribly unsuccessful. Now, why is that? Motivation. People don't become motivated under the third Reich unless the issue is, because of personal interest because they're selfish, unless the issue is really big and indirectly affects them in some way. And that is a big war a whole bunch of different countries and people and that sort of stuff. But on a small scale, it's the opposite. Due to being too selfish, people shun and stay away from conflicts, even though it's the only way to resolve something where evil is attempting to be destructive for life and imprisoning people and to cause them to lose their freedoms and their life in general, to enslave them. And so, oddly, we have allowed slavery to prosper unless it's on a big, giant scale and there's a number of even countries or states involved in the situation to bring it to a head and to decide the situation, unfortunately, through violence rather than a more appropriate ways. But that's at least better than allowing the slavery. You see, there's a lot of things to think about. And unfortunately, this is such a complicated subject that people who are trying to live their life spiritually, especially along the third right, have to be very, very introspective to see the differences because the third right is muddled tremendously with darkness and, and evil. Constantly trying to convince people that up is down and down is up and left is right and Everything is the opposite of what it really is because the evil trick is to use that alone. Okay, so the object of using power to uh, resolve the issues of the Third Reich uh, are appropriate under certain circumstances and sometimes even lead to war. But most of the time they lead to economic development and to the development of better and let's say more intelligent interactions between people. And there's there's been some success at times. Technologies have grown by leaps and bounds and technology is the third way. Right. An expression. One of the ways it expresses itself very largely, largely. And so we've done marvelously well in some technologies. Truly, yeah. That doesn't mean that all of these were developed by spiritual disciples, but a lot of them were. The creative side of a spiritual disciple is far greater than the people who are not, who are not uh, spiritual, and who haven't gone through an initiation, in particularly. So there's there's some of that to be talked about. That doesn't mean that people who aren't spiritual initiates haven't done some good things. They have, for sure. I'm not trying to promote that idea. But on a consistent basis, the spiritual people have done much more and more. Okay, so let's move on and talk about what we consider to be the fourth way of expression in a person's life, those people who follow a life where they want to create more beauty in the world through a myriad of different both vocations and expressions. These people are along the fourth way, and the spiritual disciples that want to leave someone who wants to lead a spiritual life wants to make beauty. Part of everybody's life. Wants it. Wants the world to become an expression of it through everybody's inputs and expression. And the motives can be sometimes helpful. The other thing about the um, the object of creating beauty is that you've got to have twice as much spiritual thought as there is the thought of spirit. I mean, is there, is there the thought of energy, which is the gravitational element of energy. And that's where the problem comes in, because reaching a, a one-to-one ratio, which is a structured approach, most people do not find that hard. They can balance. But to create beauty requires twice as much. That means the motive has to be twice as great to create beauty. And that's where you find people having the greatest trouble. It's getting past the motive being just equal to the resistance to creating beauty, which would be just a structural balance or a conceptual thought. And... For people to make something truly beautiful, which allows everybody's senses to be improved by the experience of the creation, everyone's senses is improved that's the beauty yet. but you got to have twice as much thought that it is spiritual so people who are trying to live their life spiritually along the fourth part of existence, the fourth race some people refer uh have a frustration, if they're newly initiated, they may experience uh, periods of say, great expression and uh, even brilliance, and then a sense of loss because of their motive not being able to stay up high enough because you have twice as much thought. That's very difficult. Thing. And it has to apply to your whole life. Because your life has to be what you are which is an expression of beauty. And those folks have a challenge. And the challenge can sometimes lead to an early death. At other times, it leads to two-sidedness, or two-facedness, I should say. Uh, Why would they become two-faced? Because if you don't have enough spiritual motive, and you need twice as much as there is the energy beside the situation, if you don't have enough, then instead of just doing some things that are pretty close to be beautiful, people will switch and flip over and actually create something that's ridic- create ridiculously unbeautiful or ugly. That's this kind of uh, anti-reaction to not having enough of the right motive to carry through in a person's life to create a spiritual life interesting. And while most of the time the the creation has some individual component, uh, there's also a lot of group conscious thought that is required to get to the higher levels where you have truly twice as much. And if people can do that and balance those two, they get good results. But a lot of people have a hard time. They either go too far into the individual side or too far on the group side and lose the individuality. And it, it produces drastically, we'll say, reduced levels of beauty. Sometimes no beauty at all. And that's what they're here for. So they, their very existence is right in their faces being ugly over time. And particularly if other people give them feedback of that nature, which would be expected, They have a hard time living with that. Then they may escape into fantasies, drugs, lifestyles that are very unhealthy. The results can be disastrous. That's why these folks don't live as long. They're self-destructive because they recognize by the reflection back to them their lack of beauty. It's It's harder to hide from them. And so this is an area, one way to improve it is for people in general to not support anything that isn't truly really beautiful and to help people make things that are beautiful when they fail to and they make something that's less than that. can say, there wasn't that capitalism that people go and only look at or buy or whatever the things that are really beautiful. And that's not true, unfortunately. People get duped or want to believe, because they have the same selfishness, that the relative level of lacking beauty or of ugliness that someone is creating in whatever their indifference is is good enough for them, or even great, because they have the same kind of selfishness. Of course, others might look at what they think is beautiful and say, well, that doesn't look beautiful to me, but if it's okay, if it's what you want, that's okay, I guess. But supporting beauty is it should be done not by condemning ugliness, but by trying to turn people into doing and creating more beautiful things, because that's what others seek. And other people don't necessarily want to destroy the ugliness. They may just pay no attention to it and just ignore it. Sometimes that works better than even trying to destroy it. Now there are some things that are ugly and dangerous, and I would be probably in favor of destroying it or at least finding a way of isolating it, particularly from people who can't protect themselves from it. But generally speaking, that isn't a problem in this part of people's lives. And there's a lot more that could be said about it, but we're again, we won't get through tonight's show if I pay too much attention to any one of these areas of life. A spiritual disciple along this particular ray usually has to get together with groups of other people pretty early in life to make it work for them. And they have to be careful that their collaborations do not involve people who are doing ugly things. It's difficult because you have to be sometimes cruelly discerning about who you're going to interact with. In this particular ray focus, people want to look good to everybody and be friends with everybody. Well, you can't do that and create beauty. So there's, uh, there's some soul searching that goes on. Hopefully we will find their soul. Their souls is all, way. this person or this group of people, they're ugly. What do we want to be around them for? They're not creating the beauty that we want to create. Let's find those that do and do more with them. That makes sense. Along the fifth line, you find people that are seeking truth. Uh, Some of them are lawyers. Others are scientists. And uh, others are people who just Find truth as a a, a way of understanding God. Some of those are philosophers, and in, in almost all the cases that these people are attempting to uh, be motivated in their spiritual thought at exactly the level that they're capable of expressing it and producing whatever they can from it. That's a good thing. And that's, if science, if all scientists were like that, if all lawyers were like that, we'd have a way better world. But what happens is the following, and it's unfortunate, but it's it's like all over the place. People want to live a a spiritual life, and and they choose to do it along the fifth way. And in the process of trying to live a spiritual life, they fall into mundanity. If they're lawyers, they find the practical solution instead of finding any kind of justice for anything. And if they're scientists, they, instead of looking for truth, they're looking for something that fits what they think is right. Well, that isn't all that helpful, because, what. Like, they think is right might be completely wrong, but because they don't keep their motives high enough to find truth, just to find things that match what they think is right, um, they fall way below where they should be. And they create a lot of untruths, a lot of right. Lawyers do the same thing in different ways. And sometimes people in health, medical health, that, which is sort of the scientist. And so, we get into this, you know, into, into this area of the monastic uh, concepts. And generally, people with this propensity for lacking motivation, if they are spiritual disciples now, now they're, they're having a uh, a quagmire because they can think better and they have more structured thought, they're more capable of doing something that might really make a difference because they have the ability to find new truths that would contribute to the betterment of everybody. But because it doesn't fit their prior thinking, and reject it because it's their motive isn't. To find the truth, it's just to find something that makes their thought more important to others and to themselves Then to find truth or create truth. And instead of trying to make their minds whole and complete, which would be wisdom, and then help others to understand that wisdom and use it and give it to others, which would be love wisdom, instead of doing that... They try to convince others that their theories are correct. Being right is more important than loving. Being, we'll say, uh, proven in their thought is more important than being right. That is a big problem. And it's all through the fifth race or the fifth sub race of the fifth race that's us. And we're having a great deal of difficulty with this. Spiritual disciples along this us, are usually in groups of scientists, but or medical doctors or lawyers. Uh, they seldom individually function but they do. Some do. There's individual practitioners of law, there's individual practitioners of medicine, there's individual scientists of the real. And so you find all this, and what, what are you saying to yourself? Well, they have the individual side down more than they have the group side, in terms of their ability to focus unconsciously. And that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. They the individual side becomes the hallmark of their uh, imp- self-importance in terms of their thought process, even if they work together as groups. Isn't that true of lawyers, doctors, scientists? Yeah, generally speaking. Yeah. That doesn't mean they can't work together. It just means that the balance is more towards the individual. So they are personality-driven even if they're spiritual disciples. Now, we know that spiritual disciples are supposed to be getting over that, right? Right, yeah. Well, the problem is they convince themselves that there is no God frequently. highest level of atheists falls into these classes. How come that's true? Because in this particular group of people, the 5th right element of we'll God, no pun intended again. Uh, The those folks are trying to live their life, not trying to uh, create, remember, going back to the beginning of the show, create through their spiritual senses a better understanding and co-creation with God. They're not trying to do that. They're trying to do it with other people of their kind to prove they are right about whatever it is that they're they're dealing with. Right about the law, right about science, right about medical treatment, right about any other areas of truth, including some philosophical areas. So this becomes now their God. Their God Remember we talked earlier about the replacement of God, the lessening of God to a lower level that they can identify. Well, that's what I identify. That's very dangerous, particularly for a spiritual disciple, and particularly if they've been zapped, because it creates tremendous forces in their senses. And it may lead to all kinds of disasters, in their physical, mental, astral nature it may lead to a lifetime of very great unfulfillment. They may get to be great in terms of their particular field they become a great physicist this, that, but the meaning in their life is torturously missing. They never, never a minute. but again this is the despair that disciples go through trying to lead a spiritual life with the pitfalls of that particular kind of living. All right, well let's move on to the sixth type of God expression array. And in this in this uh area, uh this is the area where people think of leading the spiritual life. But very few people are actually doing that and actually are spiritual disciples functionally because religion, formalized ways of worshiping religion, worshiping God, is a, unfortunately, a non-spiritual foundation In many cases, the religion itself is oftentimes a forced doctrine of certain rituals and belief structures that people have to commit themselves to, to be a member, and to supposedly become spiritual. But how do you become spiritual? And spirituality is equal parts of individuality with group nature, group consciousness. How do you do that when it's all about not your individuality, it's about, quote-unquote, devotion and worship of God? Also, it becomes, in many cases, God is a deterministic thing that everything is happening, coming through or by, or in some way related to, God's choices not ours that has a lot of problems too because it negates the individuality nature and it even takes the group nature of we'll say, development in terms of spiritual and turns it on its head because it says even as a group you must obey God and who Who is God? Well, God is the being as described by certain people who claim they have a right to describe God. Well, that's a little circular for me, and it's vastly incorrect. Uh, But for people that fall into that, they, after a while, find their spiritual life Lacking, lacking correct motive. Because motive has to be the virtue or light in form. And the religion is, is going against that light. And that's where the problem comes from. Instead of people being allowed to co-create with them, they have to become submissive, obedient. They need to be uh, not only non-creative, but forget about thinking anything different than what you're told God is and what you should do about what God is. Whoa, That's so anti-ageless wisdom, God, and God, as far as I'm concerned, that it's really even hard to wrap your head around it because the implications are terrible. Now, not everybody has that conclusion. They may go into a religion thinking that way or being programmed to do that, but a lot of people actually do change from that position. And there are successful disciples that have a spiritual life as part of the religion. They just no longer believe in the religion the way the religion is necessarily taught. They have a different perspective of God because they have the understanding of God that came from their heart chakra. And as they have created uh, more and more light in in helping others to find God, they have uh, reached into their crown chakras and they have a co creative expression with God that is truly spiritual. That's different. They might still refer to themselves as being religious. They might still consider themselves part of the religious order that they're in. Because remember, unless you're along the second way, you don't really have to, nor do most people have an understanding of any of the stuff I'm teaching about. (laughs) That's not what they do. But they could be very successful still and co-creating with God. Recent initiates, though, that go into a religious order have the most difficult time because their motivation eventually is called into question because they become contradictory in the ways that they're motivated to create virtue. In one case, they may uh, seek to create virtue by following the tenets of the actual religion.
1: And in another
0: case, uh, they might be actually virtually rebellious in that respect and, and create not according to the religion, but according to their understanding or level of consciousness and in need of whatever service they can supply to whoever or whatever service they're giving. That puts them in a totally uh, contradictory role that sometimes ends with them leaving or sometimes being chastised. Uh, In some countries, in some places, they could be killed because they're not following the religion It's observed there. That might be an Islamic type of uh, religion. But so you have this uh, this whole nature, we'll say, to the development of a spiritual life along this particular race structure that is uh, sometimes uh, quite, quite tenuous for some people, depending upon how developed they are as a spiritual disciple. Now, um, I want to get on to the seventh one, and then I've got to sum this up. So let's move on to the seventh uh, way of expression, which has to do really with people who are uh, good at synthesizing ideas and bring them into fruition, usually through development of business, organizing businesses, or and sometimes not even being in business, but organizing agencies and and, uh, groups of people, possibly with government, but usually not. And almost in all cases, it involves the uh, exchange of property and money and uh, the uh, high levels of interaction with people. Uh, People that have been spiritually uh, disciplining themselves in this area tend to live lives that uh, attempt to increase the level of synthesis that they're doing while they stay organized, which is very hard to do sometimes, and help other people to do the same. And generally speaking, it's that principle that tends to make them cooperative and sharing with people. They tend to be uh, the largest group of people who have the highest level of success uh, while they're physically alive. They do very good because it's the seventh plane, because this particular ray is in focus right now. Uh, it has to deal with, uh, oddly to some people's minds, the sexual center and also uh, hearing. But it also has to deal with is the ability to create with Usually, better motives than most other spiritual disciples, matching their levels of capability. Now, not everybody does this. Some people are very selfish and very manipulative and hostile, and you know, they, they they use wrong methods. But still, if you go by the percentages, this is a real. This is a bright spot. It has led the United States and other countries that are capitalist into a more enlightened place. Then, not. That doesn't mean that you've got to you, you gotta be very careful about it becoming non synthesized and monopolistic. If it gets too big and stops becoming synthesized and is instead uh, people just holding on to whatever they have, they want, want more of it, then it becomes greed and uh, power for the taking of other people's property and uh, services. So it, it becomes whatever the person is in their creative event expressive of. Spiritual disciples tend to fairly successfully create very positive uh, balances in this, more often in other, other areas. But it still doesn't mean there aren't some no-good things. You know? But generally speaking, generally speaking, This this is one of the brighter spots. Now, of course, evil is totally against free markets and capitalism, Totally. Because it diminishes its ability to gain power and control over people. And because there are spiritual disciples that are fairly successful in this one area. And it, it, it feels challenged by that and wants to prevent it. The answer to it is to ensure a free market, to make sure that monopolies are prevented. And also, at the same time, uh, uh, do not govern and or limit businesses to the point, through regulation and other ways, from being able to either be creative or spiritual. And that's what's happening here in the United States right now. That, That problem is taking place almost by the day. Uh, and it's happened in many other countries that are communistic and some of are socialist. Socialism can work in a very small population of people who don't want to become excessively creative, because, remember, creation is a big issue in capitalism, and who are not very different from each other and are actually challenged by differences and don't like it. So for a while, it can work, 100 years maybe, but it will eventually fall apart because it goes against the principles of God and the development of individuality with group consciousness. So it eventually will work, but it can work for a while, and it has in various places. Okay, so what are we going to do if we sum this all up tonight? Not much time, I'm afraid, for that. But a spiritual life requires that a person think and have motives that matches their capability in their senses. You want to develop your senses to the point where it matches higher and higher levels of thought and motivation. That's a good thing. Because of the system we're in, it's always thrown off because people eventually go through an initiation that throws it off, and then they have to recover that. That's unfortunate. But we can recover from that, too. There are a multitude of solutions to the problems that are caused by our system, and we have barely scratched the surface of it. But if you want to lead a spiritual life, the first thing is to not have your motives wrong and to make sure that your spiritual thinking always is kept about God and what you're doing, not about what you feel in your astral body or what you want this week or this day, in your life, but it's what you want in general, it's what you want in total, it's what you want for a greater good for all. Because you love God first and not yourself. If that's where you're coming from, you can solve any of these issues, you can make any of these factors into something greater and better. And you can you can have the most amazing spiritual life, through spiritual discipline, not because you're suffering, not because you're going to cause great consternation in your life from changes, but because you're the creator of who you are, and more and more as you determine that, you become a free man. Those that don't believe they are the creators of who they are. Are imprisoned from it. And they suffer immensely, not just for their physical, but later in the astral and mental worlds until they get out of it. It's the single greatest mistake people who are even somewhat spiritual can make. It leads to a disastrous outcome. To blame others or to think that others are responsible for anything about you is ridiculous. We are self-created beings. And although I talk tonight about all the pressures on disciples from all these other avenues, it doesn't make any difference. We are here to co-create with God, not to co-create with government, not to co-create with uh, organizations, religions, anything else other social uh, social institutions, other people's opinions. It makes no difference. We're here to co-create with God, which is to co-create life, to help life to grow more, and to find God itself, eventually. And certainly human beings, all human beings have that as a need and expression of their potential greater self, the higher self. We are here now to learn to be a soul while we are here, and to exercise that while we're here. This is the challenge of spiritual life. I hope all of you, all of you succeed, because it is the greatest kind of life you can possibly have. Anything less reduces us far away from who and what we really are. Our soul. Well, we're out of time for right now, and I sure hope tonight's show has made a difference. And uh, I would like to hear from other people about what they think about leading a spiritual life and what kind of struggles they may be having. I could be of help with that. I know others that I co-serve with would like to be of service, too, in that respect. Until next week, this has been Niles McFlower for why life is